Well, hey, and welcome to episode 40 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I discuss how to have constructive conversations about disputable matters and how laying down our liberties applies to non-believers as well. And as always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to stop now, go back and do so before continuing on, as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you today. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, almost summer. It's last yes. week of school this week. Porter has four days of school left, today being one of them. So we're fired up about that. What a, Can we call these days of school? Uh, no. What they're doing, so actually Porter's teacher is great. They did a countdown to summer that was uh, days of the alphabet, letters of the alphabet each day. So today's W and it's water day. So they're, he wore a swimsuit into school. They're doing Dope. water games. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So he's fired up about it. Educationally, probably not awesome. No, but no. It's a field day for one of my kids today. I think the middle one. Nice. That, like we You got four. I only three in school though. Okay. Yeah. So Gideon, I believe, yeah, it's his field day. The other two had theirs. I'm like, we we don't come in last. We we need to win. <laughs> do you do you remember field day growing up? I do. Oh, I for sure do. I remember field day as just like total euphoria. Oh, it was great. It's like leaning into summer. It's always like the second last day of school. I remember it being the best day of the year every year. It was this is a blast. I so when we were in Louisiana, we did it. And so uh, Judah, he's always been pretty athletic, but they did like full, like 60, 70 yard sprint race. Mm-hmm. And oh. I'll, Judah smoked these kids. <laughs> and two, I mean, it's predominantly black culture. Like kids are usually pretty fast. And I was like, I was videoing it. And my dad was, it's so funny. Like I sent him the video. He was showing everybody at work. He said, <laughs> I was like proud grandpa moment. Oh, I just loved it. I'm like screaming in the background. That's right. Go do that. Like just yelling. He is like out just smoking these kids. Well, like, he's a foot taller. So he's taking, you know, one step to every other kids too. It can, uh, yeah, he probably wasn't getting around too. <laughs> yeah. But it was funny. great, man. It was yeah, so I'm sure it is. Grandpa was like, I showed everybody at work. That's so good. Yeah. Well, Porter. I talked about field day at the beginning of Romans, because I remember the tug of war. Like you would have like the your fifth grade class against the other fifth grade class, and you're doing the tug of war. And I was always the smallest one. So I'm right up there next to the little flag on the rope with my feet off the ground as the big kids are pulling the rope taunt. <laughs> and I wasn't just so small. So Porter, uh, Porter came home and uh, tug of war was the first thing he told me about. He said, yeah, we played tug of war and first the boys won, but then next the girls won because Isabella is so strong. Like she's just, he was telling me about this girl that was in the back, just hang, holding it down. It yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, they did boys versus girls. They did. Yeah. It's, Interesting. Yeah. But in kindergarten, it's like, that's a toss up. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Know, girls are usually a little bit stronger, a little bit taller at that point. hundred percent. hundred percent. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's good. What about, uh, so you've got a couple of kids moving up. Uh, I mean, you've got three in school, so three growing in ages, Maya or grades rather Porter's going into first grade and no Silas is in first grade. So what's that like? Yeah. Year? So we have a kid going into middle school, which makes me feel older, <laughs> not old, just older. <laughs> um, so here at church yesterday, they had the whole level up thing. Uh, and Colin did a great job, him and him and Rob, but he, he had this he had the hours and the days uh till they graduate high school and he put it on the screen. Huh. And it was like, whew, that's not nearly as far away as you think it is. And it's really cool. He he tied it in, he put the fruits of the spirit up there and was like, Hey, if you could grow in one thing over the next seven years, what would you want to be known for? Of which fruit of the spirit? And so um, they got to pick it out. We got to talk about it. So it was a really cool thing. But That's cool. Yeah, so it was an awesome event, really cool. But it was like, oh, my kid's moving up. He's moving to middle school, which means he's moving to students here at church. Like, no more kids yeah. um, on Sunday morning. Uh, so we're now 11 o'clock attenders, mm-hmm. uh, So, which is just different. And then today, uh, Silas had, she called it stepping up. Yeah, stepping up like kindergarten graduation. So our teacher, his teacher was the only one who did it. It was really sweet of her to do that, but it was all about getting them ready to go into first grade because they, you know, had all these emotions. Yeah. There's I saw what his was and he goes, "I don't know." And I was <laughs> like, so I looked, they had qu- colored a little sheet of paper. His were sad, happy, and bored. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, here we go." So, yeah, you know, the teacher was so sweet, man. She was she had, it was a good good year for uh for Silas, she was really kind with him, um, you know. But it was like there are people we got a little out of control. Maybe <laughs> there are flowers and balloons and like prizes. And part of me is like, shouldn't they do this? Like, is, like they, I is it that big? I, I don't know. Like Can, some kids don't even go to kindergarten. They don't. <laughs> Can you fail kindergarten? Uh, my little brother did. to be fair socially like is that it's usually a social thing at that point to be fair he got like half like a month or two in and they're like he's not ready he needs to do pre-kindergarten and so he had a he had a summer birthday like me it's actually his birthday today so oh yeah he had a summer birthday like i did and so they're like hey he'd probably benefit from just starting kindergarten a year older which is really common for boys right but he did Two years of kindergarten. <laughs> so I maybe you it wasn't and it was it had nothing to do with intellect. It was all so, yeah, yeah, social, just what you can handle. Emotional. What um yeah. uh what do you guys remember from gra- high school graduation? It was my birthday, 18th birthday. Really? Yep. That's fun. It was. Everybody gave me a shout out and they all got in trouble. Like yeah. everybody was like, Hey, happy birthday, Josh. I was like, Yes. So it's cool. There's 40 kids. Oh, yeah, small. Oh, that's right. Very small. Yeah, what? we were talking about this the other day. I had maybe, uh, my, I don't know what, how big my graduating class was. Seven, eight hundred maybe. Six, six, seven hundred. I don't know. What about num- you, Jason? I, was I remember nothing. What? Nothing. And do you know how long ago that was? I remember nothing. How long ago was it? Let's talk about that. 95. 1995. What were you we're doing? almost in our 30 year. Yeah. Have you done any reunions? No. Have you? No. Yeah, our class... I don't even think we've put them on. Like, yeah. I've ours, had, ours does. And it's just in Phoenix. I could go if I want to. But man, there is nothing I would like to do less than that. <laughs> like 5, 10. Uh, so we we just had 10. 
Yeah, because I, well, and it's weird. So there's a funny piece of this conversation because I didn't go to my, I didn't walk. Um, I, I was not interested, just not into the the graduation thing. So part of that was because I graduated in uh, three and a half years. So I, it was a semester early. I was done, like I was out in December. So that's when I, I consider like I was done. Um, I graduated. So you would have to have gone back. But my class wasn't walking until that, um, you know, that spring. So uh, I wasn't going to go back. I didn't want to do any of that. So like my graduating class is kind of confused. It's like, well, I knew a bunch of the people in the class of 11. Really, my class was 12. So I don't know mm. either way. But um, yeah, so I literally remember nothing because I didn't do it. Yeah, I don't think we've had anything. I had never got a like, oh, hey, there's this 20 year or 15. This we quit. You kind of bounced though. You've, you've not, it's not like, yeah, you've been in the same I was, place, but I was back there for a little bit. I mean, I didn't leave, but like our class didn't do, I mean, zero zip, <laughs> nada. We didn't do anything. Um, yeah, I remember mine pretty fondly. It was at the Baptist church in town, Harrisburg Baptist. Um, I was number six in my graduating class. So I remember nothing. That's not a. Not where did a you thing. do it? Huh? You don't even know where. Where was it? I don't know. <laughs> How do you not know? I, I don't. Okay, so what I say is, I'm like dealing with a 486 computer, right? If you remember 486, you youngins. Anytime you wanted to save something on the computer, you had to delete something else. Like it was, there was no memory. And so you had always, that never, that didn't get saved. It's just gone. I have no recollection of my. But there's some record. stuff that did get saved that you could care less if it did get saved, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. that was, that's not one of them. It's not there. Oh, oh, what about college graduation? Do you remember that one? <sighs> Vaguely. Actually, I don't. Hmm. Did you guys both walk for college, dude? Uh-huh. I'm trying to think yeah. if I did. I don't know that I did. I did. Actually, I was living in Vegas Texas. and flew back. Yeah. I that one does feel like a bigger deal. Yeah. I don't think I did. I moved to Texas right before my last semester. I don't know. There's probably pictures somewhere. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I had a few fees and uh, tests I had to take that I wasn't aware of, like day of. <laughs> like they made you take like an exit test oh, to like funny. test your biblical knowledge. Oh. And I apparently took one when I got there. Didn't mm-hmm. know that. Forgot about it. Uh-huh. And I was there like, hey, you got to do this test. Normally you do it your last semester. And yeah. I lived in Vegas. Yeah. I took off too. Same way. I finished early. Yeah. I was like, I'm, but I was like, oh no, I've paid all this money. I'm walking across that stage. That's They're funny. saying my name. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> is saying my name. Uh, so great story is my high school and my college are both gone. Yeah, they don't exist. They neither one of them exist anymore. Uh-huh. So our high school merged in with Jason's high school. So we were city school. Now it's just one big county school. Yeah, My little brother actually was the last uh, graduating class of our high school, and he was. Yeah, it was once. It. Once the Garrett boys are through, they can handle it anymore. They, they're just we've hit the pinnacle. Just <laughs> shut her down. <laughs> Take her down, baby. But yeah, I have no. I have no school left. So. <laughs> I don't. So, so getting your transcripts, you don't even know where to call. There's nobody to call. Apparently, they're somewhere online. I don't believe them. <laughs> they're going to make you pay for them, though. Oh, yeah. That. It's usually all housed on some sort of online third-party database anyways. So. And they want me to pay my alumni dues somehow. I keep Ugh. getting alumni stuff, and I'm like, why am I paying dues for this? It doesn't exist. 
That's I really know. funny. I mean, I should have went to Ozark. There you go. Yeah. It still exists. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> doing well. <laughs> well, it's doing okay. Oh, for man. for Christian college, yeah. All higher education is it's, <laughs> yeah, it's expensive, but oh yeah. Oh man. So, it is the season of graduate. I can't believe you don't remember anything. Nothing. Neither. None. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Who'd you sit by? Come on, you sat by that person every day you did something. I have no idea. Man. I have no idea. Okay. I I didn't I hated school, especially high school. I hated it. It was terrible. I worked all the time, didn't have any friends. I had one friend in high school and he went to a different school. He was in Bowl County. We grew up, he went to Mercer County, but he was a football player. And so in the late mid to late or uh, mid nineties, Bowl County was the bomb diggity football and he went over and played football. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I also, I also, especially my last, I mean, the last semester that I was in school, I was working a ton. So yeah. it was kind of a similar thing. I just don't, didn't really have any connection to school. I was just trying to knock it out and be done with it. So, so wild. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's dive into uh, the message from Sunday. This past week, we were in Romans 14. Uh, we went from verse 13 to 23. Um, I think you did a pretty good job. I know you gave the kind of disclaimer on the front end of uh, the fact that some of this may be offensive and that's actually a good thing, right? Until we get to a place to where we're rubbing up against um, some of our own liberties, it's really hard to know when to lay them down uh, and when that's appropriate. So um, Jason, before we dive in, we've got one pretty good question. I'm excited to tackle before we do that. What um, out of our text from Sunday did we not get to? Um, I would say probably if I would have had another 10 minutes, we would really spend a few more moments talking about verse 23. Uh, So the end of the text says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And then he throws out this really big umbrella statement that I think is worth us pondering for a moment. Like everything that does not come from faith is sin. Like, if we want to put a definition on sin, you know, we always have this idea of, you know, how close to the line of sin that I can I get without actually crossing over and making it sin. I mean, he he puts the line way far back and says, look, if you aren't doing whatever it is that you're doing, if it's not an act of faith, then it's sin. I mean, and this is like really mind-boggling, I think, if we actually took the time to to wrestle with what this means for us. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Everything that you're watching, if it's not from faith, everything that you're saying, everything that you're wearing, everything that you're eating, everything that you're drinking, everything that you're uh, participating in, if it does not come from a place of faith, like if it is not from a place where you're living out your faith in Jesus in that moment, he says, that that's how you know it's sin. So this takes it from just being not doing bad things and puts it into the category of everything. Like if it's not, if everything that comes from faith, if it's not from faith, it's sin. So I think that's a big piece of this text that probably we could, all spend a little bit of time meditating over and uh, find some real conviction there for sure. 
that's good. And I think it is just a good reminder to, right, be intent, like the word that stands out is just intentionality. Like with everything that we're doing, we need to be confident um, that it is in faith. And I think that just takes slowing down and thinking about it. We do, we're on autopilot so much of our lives just doing the thing. Um, and that's a really good reminder just to stop and think and say, oh, there's these, like what takes up the most of my time? Let me list out the top five things top seven things throughout the course of my week that takes the most of my time? And have I actually slowed down to ask myself, are, am I doing these things in confidence that when I'm finished with the race, I'll look back on it and say, that was of faith. Like I was doing that in faith. Yeah. Um, that is a good reminder. I'd give you one more. Uh, verse 19. Again, I'd spend a couple more minutes if we had the time. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. And so again, this is the context of when we bump up against other people who are in these discretionary matters, they have a different different opinion to us. This is a real great application point. Like it's on us, the onus is on us to do what leads to peace. So we're not going to argue, we're not going to fight. Uh this is just another application of how we lay down our rights to do what leads to peace. If anything that I'm doing, eating, drinking, saying, wearing, causes conflict in any way, this verse puts it on me to do what leads to peace. How can I lay down whatever I need to lay down? How can I stop doing whatever I'm doing? How can I do what leads to peace uh, between me and my brothers and sisters. So again, I think I think that would be another uh, another text. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, to just to circle back, right? The message on Sunday had this really you know thick undertone of okay, so how can we as followers of Jesus, like within this exclusive group of people who know and love Jesus, especially like within our local church, right? how do we live a life that's more at peace with one another? And I know, Josh, you had a question kind of along those lines too. Yeah. So when we were even going over this, Jason, I brought up the question and we're like, oh, this, we can talk about this on the podcast is around this idea of how do I know, number one, what if, what offends you, right? So the balance of like verse 22, and I have another question with about verse 22, I think will be super helpful. So this first one is, if I'm supposed to keep my opinions to myself, how do I know as a, I'm literally trying to live at peace with you? How do I know what offends you? Um, because again, when I think of the Roman church, they were in these house churches. It was not the size and context probably of ours. So maybe harder to get to know people. So maybe you need to think in the context of a life group or something like that probably helps. So how do I, how do I know what offends people and but how do I tell people? So if I do have a personal belief, because a lot of times these convictions are really strong mm -hmm. and they come off really like emotional. Mm -hmm. So how do I balance that of like, how hey, I actually want to tell Jason this because it will help our relationship, not because I'm trying to convince him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's kind of a struggle I feel like. I've had a couple of people ask me, They one guy in particular is like, man, I got a friend who's kind of leaning more to the Jewish side of their faith. Like he's a Christian, but thinks we should do the Jewish stuff. And he's like, Ugh. he goes, I'm trying to love him, but man, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do we do that? You know, how do we do that? So I think you brought up two really 
big points. So one of them is the the size piece. So this is not about us. Again, we've got, I don't know, it's hard to tell, 2,000, 2,500, maybe 3,000 people who would call Quad City their home. 1,500 of them show up on any weekend. Um, there's zero chance that we're going to make a list and pass it out and tell everybody, well, this offends me, so don't talk about that. Like, that's not it. But it is in those relational circles of a life group or a discipleship group or just the people that we do community with, however that looks, that we, when we bump up against these things, it's not that I need to know it ahead of time, but when it is that I bump up against these things, that I take into consideration how this person feels. And it, you know, I may offer you a bottle of wine the first time and you say, you know what, I'm just, we don't drink wine. And I put it away. And next time I have you over, we don't do that. And so, so I think it does come mainly in those smaller uh, environments, those those close, tight knit relationships. And then, how do I actually share my uh, the issues that I have, or the concerns that I have, or share my opinions on these things? It goes back to what we talked about. Uh, last week, not yesterday being Sunday, but the week before, where we talked about those three things at the end, kind of those application points. And the second one was, okay, if I realize uh, that that you and I are on different pages, then we're going to have a conversation and not a quarrel. So when you offer me that glass of wine at dinner, I'm not going to argue with you about why you shouldn't be having the glass of wine. I'm just going to share with you why I don't have the glass uh, glass of wine. Part of the issue that I think that creates the disunity as opposed to the peace is that we use those moments to make accusations at one another and we lob into each other uh, that you're now walking in sin because you believe this thing about this disputable matter. But again, as we talked about the first week of this section, we're going to refrain from doing that. We're not going to fight about it. We're not going to quarrel about it, but we are going to share uh ask some questions or have the conversation and not a quarrel. So I don't think the having a conversation is wrong saying, you know what, as far as the alcohol stuff, that's just not something that I do. And there's some reasons for it. Some of them are familial. Some of them are recognizing my own issues. And there are some biblical things, you know, where scripture talks about it as unwise. And so for me, I think it's just unwise. So, you know, I just don't do that. But it's always about my position on it and not talking about your position on it. So I'm not going to accuse you or point fingers to you or tell you that you shouldn't do it, but it's just not something I'm going to do. Yeah. Two big things come into mind there and you hit on one of them. Um, I think if, so first humility, right. Is, yeah. is key in all of this. Um, in so many of the quarreling conversations we've seen, the people button up against each other is just out of a place of pride and wanting to be right, right? So flipping that on its head is how can we come before those conversations in humility, recognizing, oh, these, we, we believe the same thing. We both want the best for each other. Um, and a lot of that is just, right, seeking to understand rather than seeking to be understood. So if I'm in a position, here's a good example. I, uh, Courtney and I, my wife and I have some convictions or personal convictions for our, us and our family, um, specifically around education. Um, Porter's in public school. I, I love the fact that Porter's in public school. We've benefited uh, a ton from Porter's education so far. And I've got 
um, some things in my life that would tell me, oh man, you know, I want to raise Porter in a way to where he can be a light in the public schools, right? That's what I care a ton about. So that's a personal conviction that I have for me and my family. Um, And we have tons of friends who send their kids to private school, send their kids to Christian school. And I think all of that is, can be really great for the specific needs of their their kids. So what I'm not going to do is just start fighting for the public school conversation when I'm chatting with those people. But what I can do is help better understand the environments that their kids are in. Hey, tell me about Trinity. What's that like? How's that been for your kids? Uh, And start trying to seek to understand more of, well, actually, you know, one of my kids has these three specific needs and it, it wasn't met in public school. So we moved over here and it's been really good so far. Uh, and that's positive. So just me having that little more depth of understanding in those conversations um, helps me better understand, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's good. And I don't need to be the one pushing my agenda onto the other people, my convictions onto the people around me. Rather, I'm just seeking to understand. And if I get an opportunity to share my perspective of the thing, I can totally do that in humility. Um, but it is not a quarrel. I think that's where so frequently our culture gets really, really divisive really, really quickly. Um, which means we as the church have an opportunity to do the opposite of that and actually be the light of the world. So, and yeah, and we struggle with that. Yeah. Um, here recently, definitely. I think we just aren't, we aren't doing that part very well, having conversation. I love what you said that you're not trying to convince them that their position is wrong. You're just sharing this is what I believe and this is my personal conviction. I think that's probably the difference is there is so much I'm going to tell you you're wrong and this is why you're wrong and you need to do it my way. Um, And if you don't, um, and we call a lot of things sin that probably aren't, you know? Um, And so, uh, yeah, definitely a very polarizing thing. So here's another question I had. So two different angles, but uh, so as a pastor, how do we share? Because the verse 22 says, keep it to yourself, <laughs> right? Obviously, Paul shares a lot of things as a pastor. and He doesn't keep things to himself. Um, so how do we balance that? I'm trying to pastor and help people and shepherd people, uh, and especially when areas that are maybe harmful to people's lives, um, you see the this thing that may not be necessarily a sin, but it seems unwise for them. Um, you know, drinking could be one of those, right? Uh, you, you're hearing the stories of the person. You're like, man, this is not doing you any good. How do we as a pastor share our, our opinions? We probably shouldn't stay quiet there. And then, so I think of all of our people in our church have grown kids. So I think it's different because I have small kids who they're going to hear my opinions. Like that's life. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's right, what's wrong. When you get 18, they're going to figure that out on their own. I'm hoping they still have a relationship with me that we could talk about it. But there's so many parents in our church that I would say have kids who may live very opposed to what they think is right. How do we do this in the concept, especially if they're Christians? How do we do this as parents? Cause I'm sure they're feeling that angst. Like, Oh, I'm not, do I not say anything? Like, what does that look like in those relationships? So I think the same still applies. I think if it's in the disputable hand category, they're fine. I mean, again, what, we, what we're willing to have the quarrels about, what we're willing to fight for are the things in the indisputable. So again, if my 
if my kid starts questioning about who Jesus is, then I'm going to fight through that. If it's a tattoo or or Bible versions, I'm not going to have those. I, it's fine, whatever you wherever you land. Now, when you get to the place where you're talking about the alcohol for a person who's struggling with alcohol, then we've crossed over from disputable to indisputable. Because my guess is if they're struggling with alcohol, it's leading toward drunkenness and debauchery and a lot of other things. Then we're moving away from uh, a matter of opinion and we're moving into a biblical precedent for, no, alcohol is not meant to be used in that way. And that's got to stop. So we've moved from that point. We, We wouldn't say that's okay. Okay, so as all right, so as parents and kids, right? We have a lot. We are usually not always, but it seems like the younger generation around the politics stuff. Hmm. We've kind of split a little bit. It seems like at times. How do we have those conversations? How do we? Because it does. Like I mean, family dinners are miserable now. People are like, I don't want to hang out anymore. Like my parents are now believing this, and this seems crazy. Like yeah. all over the map on both sides. So like, oh my gosh, my kid's a Democrat now, and they're going to hell. How do we? What do we yeah. do with this as believers? Yeah. So here's here's the first thought, and I think this is a um, hmm, it's a personal conviction that I have that we've made uh, political agenda way too important in our world. Like for me personally, I I got to a place to where I was like, I was thinking that way. And I was like, gosh, this isn't even close to the level of priority that scripture should be. This isn't even close to the level of priority that me going and reaching my neighbor, regardless of what they think from a political perspective should be. So for me, I what I'm trying to do in my life is create this very large gap in between what I believe about Jesus and what I believe about anything else, doesn't matter what it is, my hobbies, my uh, political agendas, anything else. So I, w- I want to create the gap between those things. And I want that to continue to grow so that when something's brought up that I disagree with, man, I don't feel like I've got to fight about the thing because it's not the most important thing. I want to fight about the most important thing. To Jason's point, like I want to be able to have the hard conversation about the sin in the people's lives around me that I love. Like that's the conversation I want to be, you know, worrying about. I want to be wrestling with. I don't want to have that same level of anxiety or animosity towards someone that votes differently than I do. Um, So I think that's part of the issue is we've created this thing to where when politics is brought up, it becomes the most important part of the conversation rather than me loving my brother and sister in Christ being the most important part of the conversation. And I think it comes back to what we, again, it comes back to what we talked about last week. How do we have a conversation without quarreling? If you and I, Josh, find ourselves on different um, sides of an issue, how should we respond? I'm going to ask you. And we've done this. Yeah. You and I've had, you and I've had yes. a few. Yeah. And so I would ask, okay, help me understand yeah. why you think that. And and you and I have been able to have a, quar- a conversation, um, maybe even quarrels at times. That's okay. Because at the end of the day, we still love each other. We're I are passionate, it out. baby. Yeah, we are passionate. Two passionate people. <laughs> but we can have a conversation. And you help me to see things that I don't see. And maybe sometimes I help you to see oh, yeah, things 100%. that you don't see. Yep. And And it may not move us over to the other side, mm-hmm. but it does give us a little more perspective and respect for why you are where you are. Yeah. 
And so again, I think that's the that's the heart of what Paul's trying to get us to. That that give a little, that unity in the body is more important than our liberty. Hmm. That that for us just to be united around the things that matter most, that's more important. And so it's okay for us to disagree about these things. And I think again, we have experienced in this church over the last couple of years, people who have just said, they've just bounced. They're like, you don't believe exactly like I do on this, so I'm out. I can't. And and we would look at that and say, how can we make that issue that's so open-handed in Scripture the litmus test for our worshiping together? And and it's, I, I just can't see how that honors, honors God. But I think the right way to do it is just to keep coming back to we can have the conversation, we can ask each other questions without making it accusatory or without uh, trying to tell the other person that they're sinning in any way because they held that belief, just trying to understand um, where they're coming from. I think this is, you know, as we've been studying through Romans, you know, this is one of the biggest things that I see just in our culture, like this issue that we actually don't have conversations anymore. Right. That's why, you know, it's crazy that it's written 1,967 years ago, and this is still a problem for us, it's especially now. Because I, when I read through the sermon, I told you, I thought verse 22 was the, I know we had all of the other things, but I thought verse 22 was such the big thing because our culture is so concerned with everyone knowing what I think about everything. And it's like, if I don't respond and say what I believe about this thing, then clearly I'm wrong or I'm uneducated, like, or maybe I just don't know and don't care. Especially you in your seat. Everybody wants to know, Jason, what do you think about this? Yes. Tell me now. And that was what that made COVID 2020 specifically so difficult for so many pastors because at that point, every pastor was expected by their congregation to come out with some statement on George Floyd and what was going on there to come out with some statement on the the vaccines, to come out with some statement on masks, to come out with some statement on uh, the January 6th stuff. Come out with some statement on foreign affairs and what was going on. And I had people coming up and saying, Why aren't you talking about Ukraine more? I mean, like every pastor was having this expectation that they had to be the the expert and come out with an opinion on all of these things that were so uh, divisive in our. In, not just in our country, but in our churches. Churches split over all of these things. And so, yeah, we don't, you don't need to hear my opinion on everything. I've got opinions. I got a lot of opinions on a lot of things, but they're not helpful. It's what doesn't matter what I believe. It's, it only matters what scripture teaches. Yeah. And the reality is like that availability, the availability of knowledge is new in the last 20 years. Yeah. Like that piece specifically, it's yeah. new with the rise of social media and the fact that anyone at any point can hear anything that I want to spout out off on on Twitter or whatever else mm-hmm. it is. And at the very least, right, like before you would 
you could do that. You could tell whoever you wanted to tell what you wanted to tell them, but you had to do it in person. Right. Like you had to go face to face. You had to go grab dinner or coffee and yeah. actually say the thing out loud to another human being made yeah. in the image of God. And that's the, that feels like the biggest difference is it's so, it can become so impersonal um, in a way to where, yeah, we're okay just spouting off. So Josh, to your point, yeah, a hundred percent do believe that there is a new weight that we're experiencing to verse 22. Um, as a result of the evolution of technology in the last 20 or 30 years. And again, some of it's great. Some of it's incredible, right? Some of it is super helpful that we can learn. Like you say all the time, we have the access to more teachers and Bible stuff than ever before. So not having knowledge is just because I don't want to do it. Right. But again, filtering that knowledge through a proper biblical viewpoint is I think we're the dangers because we're just hearing so many things. It's the it's like filter overload, and it's like who's right, like which person is who do we believe? And it's you know you tell me this thing, I tell you that. I'm like, oh, guys, we're all over the map. And I'm just like, what do you believe? Like, yeah. what do you think about this issue before you looked at anyone else's? Like, so just for those who may be listening to the podcast driving down the road right now, we keep saying verse 22. Let me remind you what verse 22 is. It says, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. So again, it's that expectation that you don't have to go share your opinions with everybody. Like that's it in these disputable matters, and it's just really important. This is not saying whatever you believe about the gospel, keep between yourself. That's not what we're talking about. This is not the indisputable stuff. We need to be going to share the gospel with people. This is the the disputable matters. This is what you think about tattoos and kneeling for the flag. Kneeling what? Kneeling for the a, flag. Yeah, sure. I mean, that was a big right. one. That was a big one. That was a big issue. There that is ruffled some feathers across all places. There is no biblical command to stand for a flag. There is no biblical command not to stand for right. a flag. So that goes into the disputable camp. We have whole, we have whole shirts and hats. I stand for the flag and kneel for the cross. Yeah. Like we have whole things and again, it's a cultural thing probably yeah. and like we've talked about this but I it was like polarizing. Yeah. And was probably sin if you weren't doing it. And that's the for some that's the danger is yeah. how quickly things become sin. Hmm. Like that's the a part of this. Yeah. I think that's the balance that we were trying to be getting at the last couple of weeks too, is there are some things that we put in a closed hand camp that really aren't. It's not For saying sure. it's not a big deal, but like, and that's the balance. And I just, man, that's the hardest part of doing this. Cause um, you feel genuinely right. Yeah. Like, they've like, you know what I mean? Like everybody who, well, lands again, on, we, we Any. talked about it last week, not this past Saturday, yeah, but last ago. week, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, that the the issue is we when you go either direction, when you take closed hand things and put them in the open hand, when you make Jesus Good a person. disputable matter, yeah. when you make the word of God a disputable matter, when yeah. you so when we take things out of the closed hand and put them in the open, and the other, just as you just mentioned, is take these things that should be in the open hand and we stick them in the closed hand. Either way you go, uh, you're going to end up in a lot of trouble. Yeah, all of the questions that we got last week around, hey, do you consider this open hand or closed hand? It's 
almost right. Like, uh, well, it sounds, it seems like it's close hand for you. Right. So for again, this week that's sharing that, Hey, what that means for you is that if you go do that thing, even though it's not actually closed hand from a biblical perspective, like that still is sin for you, which is a really dangerous kind of game to play. It feels like it's a, a bit of a scary thought. We even had a conversation in the office last week about one specific issue and someone had asked like, so is this close hand? And I think Jason's response was like, yeah, it is for you. Yeah. Like that's it, you know, that's so, your conviction. So that was, the, it's a great question. So it's around a birth control and person thinks that it's stopping God's design, but it is also going, I cannot have another kid. How do we help her balance that, right? Like, yeah. what do we, like, if she feels that conviction, but also feels yeah. the conviction of, like, having a, another child is too expensive, it doesn't seem wise. Yeah. Like, if she went against that, would we say she's sinning in that moment? So, again, that is a touchy one. This is one that the Catholic Church has been uh bumping up against for several hundred years, right? Or not several hundred, but like probably since the pill, since the 70s, 60 years. Um, but again, I would put it in the disputable category because most birth control is not abortive. Obviously, there are abortive, right. the plan B. That I would be, I don't think, for me personally, I don't think we could look at that in the same way because in that point, you're, the pill is taking a life. Right. Um, but when you're taking a birth control pill that changes hormones so that life is not created, I think that's a whole different category than a pill that is taking life. So, uh, but for the for somebody like the person you're talking about who says, no, 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 I feel like God commanded be fruitful and multiply, and that is a command and. And we should be having as many children as God wants us to have. Scripture talks about it as a blessing, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Like to to interrupt or to put a blocker on the potential for God to bless me with another child that that goes against my conscience. Then I would say to that person, "Then you better you better not take." birth control. Because again, that comes back to the end of our text today, right? That if you can't do it from faith, then for you, it's a sin. So in that moment, if there's any doubt, and that's the word he uses there, right? If there's any doubt, verse 23, whoever has doubts is condemned. Like we don't want to be in that category. So if you can't do it out of a place of faith, then yes, for you, that would be a sin. So, um, if you believe that God would want to bless you with more children, then let's trust that he's going to take care of our needs. Like we, do we believe that God can fulfill his promise? And, and Jesus said, my God will supply, or Paul says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Like let's trust him. If he's going to give you four kids, five kids, seven kids, then trust that he's going to provide for you. Um, so that's putting, yeah. that's what it looks like to act from faith. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's get into the the one question. I got this question. We got it emailed in, but also got to that pastor's point in, uh, in Prescott Valley, at least a pretty close variation of this question. So here it is. Griff says, does the call to lay down your freedoms for your brother and sister extend to our neighbors, like in Jason's BLT example? Are we to lay down our freedoms in case someone may be offended, or if we know that someone will be offended, uh, 
uh, slash stumble? I think the answer is an absolute yes. Okay. Um, so let me think through two, two texts here. Well, one text and one principle. Uh, I think it's is it First Corinthians nine. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yes, First Corinthians chapter nine. So again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about his own freedom. And here's what he says: First Corinthians nine nineteen. It says, "Though I am free." And belong to no man, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those who do not have the law, I become like those who don't have the law, though I am not free from Christ's law, but I am under. Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, so this is Paul, just weak in this text means the same that it means in Romans, the same author. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share this blessing. So Paul says, I willingly lay down my rights. I am free, but I will become a slave. I'll become just like the Jews and I'll follow the Jewish rules if it helps me to win the Jews. To those who don't have the law, I become like those. I'll share in a meal with those who aren't eating kosher so that I can win those who don't eat kosher. Like, Whatever it takes to win my neighbor, I will become like them. So if you're moving to Indonesia to reach Muslim people, you don't have a pig roast when you're inviting your neighbors over to share the gospel. You lay down your rights. So I think it's an absolute yes, 100%. We lay down our rights for the sake of other people to win those people to Jesus. So I, I don't even think this is a question. I agree. And I even think of, uh, right. Jesus himself came to serve, not be served. Yeah. Just that, that position of humility that he displayed, um, right. He is the quintessential example of laying down all of the rights that he had as the, the son of the of son of God. Hang right? on. You're going to preach my sermon for next week. Is that what I'm going. doing? Yeah, I'm not going to keep going. So. <laughs> um, but you're hundred percent right. Yeah. That's where the rest of the text in, in Romans 14 goes is he uses Jesus. I'm sorry. Romans 15 goes as he uses the example of Jesus laying down all of his rights to win us. So yeah, you're, it's a hundred percent right. Yeah. And uh, we're probably just like you said, we're a lot swifter to do it. If we're on a mission trip, hmm. It seems like we may even be faster to do it for our non-Christians who don't know Jesus than for our real brothers and we sisters. We do, yeah. Um, who, yeah. Stakes feel a little higher. They do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying yeah, no. it seems like I'm, yeah, I'll do a whole lot of things and endure a whole lot of things for people who don't know Jesus that, I mean, as long as I'm not sinning, obviously, yeah. but, and just go, yeah, that's, I know that's the lifestyle they're living or whatever, you yeah. know, um, and I'll lay down some of my freedoms and liberties um, for the sake of winning. Like Paul said, just that I may win some, not even all, just some of them. You know? So let me take this to a, another level. So I did get one question at Pastor's Point that kind of leans into this same direction. Uh, you know, how do we 
how do we express our convictions around something with someone who isn't who doesn't share my convictions mm-hmm. and maybe not even be a believer. So a gentleman came up and he asked me about his son. And so we one of the categories we talked about was language. And he said, you know, it, it bothers me. People's language bothers me. And my son uses the F word all the time. And I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how do I have this conversation with him? Mm. And he said, I went and I told him, you know, you shouldn't do that. And you're a professional and it doesn't bode well and it doesn't you're too smart for that. And I said, stop, just stop for a second. I said, hang on. I said, I want, I want you to think about this. I said, when, when you're doing that, the first thing I said is, is he a believer? Eh, Not really. Mm. And I said, then you shouldn't be having that conversation with him. I said, cause here's the problem. When you, if you get him to come to your side and to share your conviction on your language piece, I said, if he changes his language today, it doesn't get him right with Jesus. And sometimes we use these things as a litmus test to see if they're actually followers. This isn't going to help him come to know Jesus. And you making this the issue, the more important thing is, does he know and love Jesus? Like, get that has to come first. And when you actually get him to stop cursing because it doesn't honor God, all of a sudden he says, okay, I'm not going to do that. And then he feels better about where he is spiritually because my dad said, if I don't cuss, it makes me more like God. So I'm a better person now. And I have, I'm going to honor the Lord more because I'm, I'm, I'm not cursing. And I said, actually it, he's no closer to Jesus. So Don't fight to try to get him to stop doing the thing that's in the disputable hand. First, you got to focus on the things that are in the indisputable hand. So get him to know and love Jesus, and then let's talk about the cursing stuff. And then Paul in Corinthians talk about, it's not my job to judge the outsider, right? Yeah. Right of the church. I mean, that's literally, I feel like that's the context that we're probably talking about. Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah, Yeah, we... Like, we can't worry about them. We got a mess in the house. Like, yeah. let's clean that up, too. And they definitely had a mess in their house. So, yeah, that, yeah that's such a funny example, too, because I think probably all three of us have experienced the inverse situation of the brand new believer who's like still cussing, but really conscious and trying so hard not yeah. to because they know it's not right. And it's just such a funny inverse to yeah. talk about. Like, yeah, it is, you know, tail wagging the dog if you try to go the other way around yeah. and use that as a motivator, right? Uh, this is uh, so, you know, we started CR. And so one of the big differences of Celebrate Recovery, CR, is in the open share time, not foul language, which that's not necessarily the case with AA. No. Right. Right. It's, and so like in the rules, I love it. It's like, hey, it's okay, you know, if they're new and they do it a couple of times, but just remind them, hey, hey, this is a Christ-based recovery. Like we're going to glorify Jesus. You know, we're, that's what we're about here. So we just want to try to mind our language like we know it's maybe not a big deal for you but for some in the room it is it's just a great reminder of like when you're but when you're like training leaders of that who may come out of like oh you can't it's like you have to remind because we have a guy in there right now who's like yeah i don't know jesus i'm willing to listen though he's come back twice Hmm. he's like i don't know him i don't have a relationship with him but i'm willing and you're like yes i yeah man so if you're cussing or doing all the things okay we'll figure that out when we get there's a couple others too who are like yeah i don't really know this jesus but like i'm with so even some of the stuff that they do that is cultural 
Um, you know, this they you know, get up when people are talking, like all this stuff. I'm like, that's my issue. Mm-hmm. And dude, this played out. And so I'll I'll kind of with this. So it played out with this. So when I was in Shreveport, so we planted a church, mainly homeless people. And um there was a few people who would come to church and they would sleep while I was teaching. That happened yesterday. <laughs> Two I can't excuse it. Listen to Mike. And I went, huh. I'm really bothered by this. Why am I bothered by this? Is it because I'm mad they're not listening to me and they're disrespecting me? And I think it was ultimately, and I and I had to ask myself, is this a close hand? Like I didn't ask it in that way. I was like, have I made this too big a deal? And I find like God finally like just beat me over the head and was like, you want a safe place where people can come and find rest. You're giving them that. Let them rest. Let them rest like trust that they believe that they can trust you, that you will protect them and they can sleep in this place. It's not distracting you. It's just bothering you. And I was like, yep, it's just bothering me. Hmm. I'm just mad because I've been told you don't sleep during the sermon. Like it was, it was all a personal thing. Yeah. And like, I wanted to like wake them up and confront them and do, and I was like, it was wrestling with God. And finally he was like, Josh, you're, You've created what you wanted. Like they can come in and find this holy rest because they're up all night, but they know they can walk in the church and they're going to be safe. And I was like, ah, I got for months wrestled with, and then finally just felt this overwhelming conviction of like, man, I just am a mess. I still have these things that, why do I think this way? You know, it was just so humbling for me. It just really was that humility piece. But so I don't know about the people sleeping yesterday. I <laughs> that might be a little might yeah. be a little different situation. <laughs> it's not as different as you think. <laughs> the uh, here's the the other side. It's like uh, if it makes you feel any better, in Acts, Paul had poor Eutychus sleep <laughs> fall asleep during his sermon, fell out a window and died. So you didn't have that. <laughs> That's a good point. That, so That's a good point. Paul had it too. He didn't have Curtis though snoring. Boy, he could snore. It's like Curtis. <laughs> Just a little loud. Just a, just a little. I, I'm trying to dig in here to the, he would record the, he's like, I'm going to record the sermons for later. Oh, that's fine, Curtis, man. I love you, man. So it was a, but it was a, it was a my issue. And so I tried to make something that was a cultural in a church thing, a yeah. closed handed, you don't sleep during the preacher. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's just, that's just, that's me. Yeah. I'm yeah. wrong on that. Now, don't go sleep in a church Sunday, guys. <laughs> Bring a pillow and a blanket. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today, guys. Thanks so much. We'll uh, see you again real soon. Well, all right. That is a wrap on episode 40 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. Well, as always, if you ever have a question from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to join us at quadcity.church Romans, where you can submit that question to be answered right here on the show. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time.